Psalm 16, ready to go? Psalm, the 16th chapter. I want to continue today with a series we've been in for a while, and we're not finished because there's more to get. I want to talk about this until your life is so good you can hardly stand it. This is the, the way things are supposed to be. Psalm 16, verse 11 is our text for this series. Uh, you will show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So to reiterate and bring us back up to speed, this is the way that God is. Full of joy and pleasure. That's the reason His presence is that way. Also, this tells us that if we are not in our lives full of joy and pleasure, we know where to get it. We know where, hopefully, not to get it. We also know where we can. That's where? In God's presence. So if I am not abundantly joyful and extremely blessed to the point of bliss, then I am not fully in His presence. doesn't mean the Lord has left me, because He'll never leave or forsake. However, there is an experience that I can have continually in God's presence, and it'll put a smile on my face. It'll put a skip in my step. Come on, it, it, it will do some good things. If you're grumpy, if you're upset, if you deal with anger, if you're, all these things are present in your life on a continual basis, there's a solution. It is the presence of God. Hmm. It is, and if you can find out how to get in there, if you can find out how, how, to, how to live in that place, problem solved. Praise God. And so let's go a little bit further. You remember last week we finished up with a couple verses. One of them was this, Hebrews 13, 5. It reads, let your conduct be without covetousness. Uh, be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. All right. And so we can see here from, from this scripture, being content with such things as we have is not just a description of physical possessions, material possessions we have, but that the very thing we do have is the Lord Himself, who said He would never leave us or forsake us. So in other words, I am to find my contentment not just in or not dependent on material things, but I find my contentment in the presence of the Lord. All right. Now, what that, what that means is this. The presence of the Lord will produce contentment. The fact that the Lord is with me and will never leave me, that is sufficient or more than enough to completely fulfill my life. Not, I'm going to settle for the Lord's presence because, you know, I don't have much and I can't do what some people can do, so I'll just be content with the Lord. No, no, that's not, that's a wrong way to view that. 
Okay, our contentment in the Lord will absolutely go far beyond anything of this life and the, the thrill that it could potentially give us. And if we don't know that by experience, doesn't mean it's not available. It just means probably we, we've done things wrong. Very likely we've believed wrong about God. Many, many people are caught up in the bondage of religion. They have the right language and the right names, but their view of God, their expectation of Him is very low. Their view of Him is grumpy, stiff, stale, stoic, all these things. When I tell you God is none of the above, He is absolutely happy. He's a happy God. Say, so why are you so happy? What's going on today? I serve a happy God. Yeah, yeah, happy Jesus. And so we're satisfied with an ever-present and eternal connection with the God of joy. Also, you remember Romans fourteen seventeen says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so if, if that's what the kingdom is about, now think about that, king and dumb. King, Jesus, Dom, Dominion, Domain, it's His place. The kingdom of God is not about what you eat and drink. It's not about fussing over that stuff. But it is about righteousness. And it is about joy. It is about peace. Come on. This is what the kingdom of God is about. So if I'm in the kingdom of God, but my life then is not about righteousness, joy, and peace, there's a disconnect somewhere. If I say, I'm a Christian, oh yeah, I'm a believer, oh, Jesus is in my heart, oh, I'm in the, fa- I'm in the family of the Father, but I'm not happy about it, and I'm not thrilled, there, something's wrong with that. You know what I'm talking about? Huh? So, I, well, I'm very, I'm very religious, I'm very, well, that's the problem. You need to, might, might want to get rid of it, get some God in your life. So, well, I'm, I'm very diligent. Fine, I believe in diligence, but if your diligence leaves you to sad, leads you to sad, leads you to hmm, just kind of not over-the-top happy, then there's something wrong. You're diligent in the wrong thing. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I've been, I've been faithful in my church for 20 years. Well, not in this church because we're not 20 years old, but... But fine, you know, I mean, I think that's a positive thing. I think faithfulness to a work of God is honorable. However, if faithfulness to a particular ministry or pastor or or church does not produce good things in your life, it's time to disconnect. Amen. So that's kind of a strong statement. I mean, if, I mean, the exception would be, I guess, is, is if they're producing good stuff and everyone around you is getting it, but you're not, then that might be a revelation. You know what I'm talking about? I'm telling you, there are groups that uh, all around the world that meet and there's just not a whole lot of God there. There's not a whole lot of salvation and healing and victory and, and joy and, and, and the presence of God. And if that's not the case, there's something missing. There's something absent from that. And, you know, I know people who have stayed. I didn't plan on saying all this. And, you know, I'm thankful for the body of Christ at large. And we're a part of it. 
but I know people who stay in dead places because they think they're, they're there to change it. Year after year after year, it never changes. And they're really not in a position to do so. If they're not the leader of that, it's very unlikely they're ever going to change it. So all they do is subject themselves and their family to a false picture of what God is really like. And they think, well, I can't leave because all my family is here, my friends are here. And what, and what would they say? Well, love on them, be nice to them, and say, I'm tired of calling myself a Christian but having no evidence of His power and presence in my life. I must be talking to someone because I didn't plan on saying that. Didn't write it down, didn't premeditate it. Amen. So, this is the reality of who God is. I'm settling for nothing less. You know, it's like when I read in the book of Acts, and I read in different parts of Scripture, and I find out all the things that that people experienced, and, and how the Spirit of God would fill someone's life, and the manifestations that would come out of that Spirit-filled life, something about me that starts to expect the same thing. And if I don't have the same thing, I'm not satisfied. But today people want to read the Scripture and say, oh yeah, that was the way God worked then. But now we receive the Holy Spirit and it's all internal. It can't be observed. There's nothing. It's just, you just have to accept it. And there's no reality. There's no uh, evidence of it. Baloney. Baloney. Same God, same Spirit. He works the same way. And if you don't have an, if you read about an experience in Scripture that happened, it was available to all then, and you don't have it today, I encourage you, don't settle for what you're experiencing now. Put a demand on the Spirit of God. He's got big shoulders. You're not going to offend Him going after more. Huh? In fact, you're going to thrill Him. He is pleased with a person who will step out in faith and, and put a demand on what, on what He has uh, provided for us. And He's looking for an opportunity to blast you in a good way. To absolutely just mow you over. So you're so happy you can hardly stand it. Praise the Lord. Well, where should we do, what should we do now? Let's, let's go over to Philippians 4. Philippians 4. So again, kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, joy. If, if my life is not about that, then I've made it something else. Uh, many times people have made uh, Christianity, their relationship with God about performance. Uh, I just have to do more. I just have to try harder. That's not the way the Lord is. He's not holding some, you know battering rod over your head, you know, saying you've got to do a little bit more. You've got to do, just go fight a little bit harder. You've got to, a little bit more. But a lot of people think the way, that, that the Lord's that way. You know, I, I mentioned this recently, uh, that sometimes people say, well, you know, you can never really pray enough. And everyone says, amen. Well, you know, you know, you never really can read your Bible enough. Mm, that's right, brother. You, you know you never really can go to church enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And see, we sometimes agree to these, these, these statements, whether outwardly or inwardly, we say, yeah. But it's wrong. 
It's, it's not correct. It produces a, a relationship with God where we feel like we're always coming up short and He is always driving us to do just a little bit more. I mean, if you gave a hundred bucks, you could have given a hundred and five. You know, if you prayed for a half hour, you could have prayed for 40 minutes. If you read a chapter in your Bible, you could have read two. You know what I'm talking about? And always feeling like you're not quite good enough, not quite enough. That's not the way the Lord relates to us. You're accepted in Him. Him being Jesus in the Beloved. You were raised with Christ and He's satisfied with you just like that. I mean, I want to please Him with my actions and I want to do right things. All of God's children do. But He's not always just kind of pushing us to do a little bit more. A little bit more. You're not quite good enough yet. No. You know, like you get, you're, you're like a baseball game. You're up to bat and you get a hit. What? You only got a single? <laughs> you know, you get a double, but you could have got a triple. You know, you hit a home run, but it barely goes over the fence. <laughs> what kind of girly home run is that? Is that all the power you got? You could just barely get it over the fence. Anyway, God's not that way in your relationship with Him. Relax. He's happy with you. Praise God. All right, Philippians 4, Paul writing here. Uh, well, let me just say this. The 13th verse of this chapter, has anybody ever memorized Philippians 4.13? It reads, and my God, no. That's 19. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Is that a good verse? Everybody like that verse? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Sometimes I hear people say it this way. You know the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And uh, do you know what? Let me tell you something about that. The Bible doesn't say that. Say, well, yeah, it does. It's right there on the screen. (laughs) The Bible does that. Actually, if we really want to get down to it, the Bible doesn't say anything. Because the Bible is not a sayer. The Bible is a book of books. Right? And so, there's not an author named Bible. There is not a person named Bible. The Bible is a description. In fact, the word Bible is not even in the Bible. Did you know that? So the Bible doesn't actually say, but the Bible does contain, you know, books, uh, various books. We're reading from the book of Philippians, which was basically a letter from a person who was inspired by God to write certain things to a church, um, the, the Philippian church at Philippi, right? And so when we say, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No, it doesn't. The Bible doesn't say. However, Paul did say, by inspiration of the Spirit, that he could do all things through Christ who strengthens him. Isn't that right? He didn't actually say you could. He said he could. Well, uh, someone said, well, I can. Well, maybe you can. If you say you can, then 
I'll take you at your word, but I'm not going to take, I'm not going to say you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you just because all, just because Paul said he could do all things through Christ who strengthened him. Everybody with me now? Now that's a good thing to say and I like to claim that for myself as well, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily true for me. It is true for me, bless God. And I don't know if it's true for you. What do you say? Uh, but you know, if it's just a matter of quoting a verse, that's fine. I believe in quoting verses and that can be helpful, but it doesn't mean it's true in you. So I think a good, a good way to answer this and look at this is to back up and look at the context. And see in what circumstance, in what situation did Paul say that he could do all things through Christ who strengthened him. It is one of those principles, I believe, that it does go beyond the context of the book. Many scriptures do that. But to see it in context is helpful. Verse 10, he, he, he writes here, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. So he's talking about their, their giving to him, them supporting his ministry. He said, you wanted to do it, you lacked an opportunity. But he's clarifying here. He said, listen, verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need. He said, I'm not talking to you about your giving and your supporting me and these kind of things because of a need that I have. He said, that's not why I'm talking. Um, he said, for I have learned, everybody say learned, in whatever state I am to be content. He said, I learned. Now, did this fall upon him? Was he born with this? No, he learned it. He learned that he could be in a state of different circumstances and be content no matter where he is. He's waiting on their offering to supply his needs, but he said, listen, it's really not about my need because I'm fine. He said, I've learned no matter what's going on. If you're giving to me, if you're not, if you're, you're helping, he said, I'm going to be fine either way. I've learned how to live this way. You think this is a valuable lesson to learn? Yeah. He said, I've learned to be content. No, notice, let me just stop here. Contentment, not contingent upon a circumstance. But contentment, contingent upon a learning curve. That he found out, he discovered how to live in abundance and be satisfied in the middle of it. Many live in abundance without contentment. And he learned how to live in times when he didn't have anything. And he was fine. He said, I'm good. Don't worry about me. You're sending a gift? Awesome. Great. That'd be, that'd be a blessing. But if you think I'm writing to you just to get you to do something for me? No. He said, I'm not talking about my need. Need? What's a need? I have Jesus. I don't have any needs. I'm con- I mean, I live in his presence. I'm so happy I can hardly stand it. And I'm adding to it, but... You see, what, this is kind of what he's saying. Verse 12, I know how to be abased. And I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you see what the context, you see what, 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 what he's talking about here. He learned how to handle himself 
how to deal mentally and spiritually, how to live dependent on a relationship with God that would so fill his life and make him content that if someone's offering showed up late and he didn't have enough at the moment, he's like, no big deal. I'm happy. I'm good. He said, I know how to abound. In other words, he knew about prosperity. Many, if he was in our day, many people would write Paul off because of some of his teaching. They would say, oh, he's one of those prosperity teachers. And they'd exclude him. They wouldn't listen to his, his stuff because he taught some outstanding things. He wrote, he's the same guy who wrote 1 Corinthians 8 and 9, talking about abundance, talking about all these things, all these principles of seed time and harvest and how you can plant, you can sow your way into abundance. He wrote that stuff. He's Mr. Prosperity. He is. And he said, you know what? I've had times where I'm, I'm loaded. <laughs> I, knew, I know how to abound. And I'm happy in the middle of it. All right. And he said, I also know, like right now, you know what he's writing? He's writing this letter to the Philippians, and he's in prison. He's in, all he owns probably to his whole name is uh, whatever he's wearing. And you know what he's saying? I'm still happy. Why is he in prison? For preaching, for persecution. There was tremendous persecution against the gospel and against the leaders of, of the body of Christ like him. And he said, I've learned even in these situations where I'm abased because of the things going on in this world. He said, and it doesn't even matter. He said, I am fine. Don't worry about me. When he went on, if you read the rest of the chapter, he said, the only reason I'm talking to you about your offering and your gift, he said, because I want fruit to abound to your account. My God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Yeah. But he had this condition in his, his life. That he's not teaching some kind of poverty doctrine here where you just need to have nothing and be happy with it. No, you need to be happy with Jesus in spite of abundance or lack or anywhere in between. Don't find your contentment in that stuff. I think no one really f- desires to be depressed. No one really wants to be unhappy. Uh, but seldom do people recognize a responsibility on their part to actually resist feelings of unhappiness, to resist emotions that are negative. Seldom do people, uh, you know, feel a responsibility to maintain a positive emotion in the face of a negative circumstance. They just say, well, I'm this way because. What's wrong? Well, this, this, and this. And what do we feel? We feel like, well, that's understandable. Oh, yeah, it's bad. It's hard. It's, it's so sad that you're that way. Well, here's someone who learned to do different. Here's a guy who learned to not be moved by that. He learned to be content in the midst of whatever the circumstance was. Have you learned it? If you haven't learned it, you can't do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Not because of an absence of power or ability of Christ as the strengthener, but just we haven't learned that lesson. How do I know if I've learned it? If when things are bad, I go down. And if things are good, then I'm happy. 
I'm discontent half my life and content every now and then when, when things are going better. That means I haven't learned this. The Lord needs you and I to rise up and to grow up and learn contentment in Him. But I am not talking about some type of beans and rice mentality. I just need to be content with nothing. My life is bad, but I'm happy about it anyway. No, I need to not not settle for a pathetic existence. That's not the Lord's will. That's not His plan. I need to be satisfied in an existence with Him. That He is the source of my joy and strength. He is the source of my happiness. And it is simply independent of how much money I have at the moment. It is independent of everything going right. Hallelujah. Everybody okay so far? All right. And so, uh, you know, we need to believe that it's the Lord's will to prosper us financially. But if we go to complaining every time that something's not going the way it's supposed to be, then it means we just haven't got it. All right. Go to 1 Timothy 6. Here's a related verse. Show you this in more than one place. Unfortunately. Someone said, I'm believing for a new this and that, and these scriptures really kind of mess me up. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and stay with the whole Bible. When we have a proper understanding, it won't mess you up. You know, you got something, you got material needs, believe God for them. He wants to provide your need more than you want your need provided. He just doesn't want you to find your joy in that. He just doesn't want you to find your contentment in that thing. I'll never be happy until I get a new whatever it is. I just like to change that statement. You'll just never be happy. Because when you get the new whatever it is, you'll be happy for a week. And then it'll be old. And there'll be a better one and you won't have it and you'll be sad. I'd rather be happy independent just because I get to be in God's presence. Because his, his spirit fills me and overwhelms me. And, it, you know, it's just so wonderful. And if I can do that in a nice car, great. If I can do that with some nice clothes, great. But, you know, even if I went through a, a period and I didn't have it for whatever reason, I still have him. That's all that matters. First Timothy 6, 8, Paul writes here to Timothy, he said, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. That's a, that's a word right there, huh? Godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, we know about gains. People know you invest in, the, in different uh, commodities and stocks and different things. You know what a, a gain is. I, I, I had a really great gain over the last quarter in my investments. What, you got more godly? You got more content? Nothing wrong with the other kind of gain, 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 gain away. But this is what God calls gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Why? Because our contentment is not contingent upon the food and clothing or any other level of physical stuff. It is contingent, contingent only upon our relationship with Him. Amen. I want to go back again. I want to clarify. I want to say things in a way that hopefully are, they, they get through our, our religious tradition. 
Here's what I'm not saying. Be satisfied with nothing. Be satisfied with a a meager living. I'm saying that doesn't have anything to do with it. Everybody listen to me. I think you should, you should excel and you should be successful in business. And you should, whatever you do with your life, you should be excellent and do well and let God bless it tremendously. I'm not saying be, find your satisfaction in a successful business or life. I'm saying find your satisfaction in Him alone. Okay, so I'm not promoting some kind of meager living. Well, just do without, that's God's best. No, it's not. His best is that I have such a relationship with Him and experience His presence that it far supersedes any experience of this world. It's two different things. Philippians 4.4 reads, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. How often should we rejoice? That, That messes up your life, doesn't it? Don't you hate it when people quote that scripture to you right at the wrong time? Almost as if always means like, always. (laughs) You know, like it includes Sunday. (laughs) In the Greek, it certainly didn't mean Monday, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So I'm looking up these words and thinking, okay, I think I understand rejoice, but I'll look it up anyway. The Greek word means to be cheerful. So how often should we be cheerful? Always. Always. And and the other thing that's interesting to me as I look at this, rejoice, and by then definition, cheerful, is a verb. So if I'm not, if I'm sad, that means I'm doing sad. If I'm discontent in my life, I'm doing the discontent thing. What should I do? I should quit. I should knock it off. I should stop that and I should be glad because that's an action. It's an action word. Huh? You play Pictionary? <laughs> it's, it's a verb. It's the action word. It, it's something you do. So being joyful is something I do. Yeah. That's why church, church is just practice session anyway. I mean, it's just quick fix for the rest of life living with God. I'm real down on Christians now, believers, not talking to those who are new and just checking things out and you don't know where you're at, but believers coming into a church service and not participating. What do I mean? In the shouting, in the singing, in the rejoicing, in the praising God, in the smiling, in the laughing, in the... Why? Because... This is Christianity is something we do. Rejoice is something we do. Joy is something we do. Why would I call myself Christian and not be like Him? Why would I say, the Lord is in my life. Jesus is in my heart. I'm seated at the right hand of the Father, but I don't act like it's so. So I can't just mentally assent to certain biblical truths and say, check, 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 this is who I am. But then I don't do these things. Your relationship with God is an action word. Huh? I do joy. I do cheerfulness. I do joy. And if I'm sad, I'm just doing sad. 
Now, this might sound hard and I, you know, whatever. Well, you know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like to be mean and, you know, people think I'm just... Because, listen, I'll have a conversation with you. We talk. I hear about people going through junk. And I hate that. I hate to see someone going through a hard time. And I don't mean this... I don't mean to say any of these things as, as if... You know, hey, your 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 problem. You know, you you should just ignore that and you know act like I I know everything because I don't know everything and I I know real problems. All right, have had some real problems. You've had some real problems. So it it almost seems dismissive or uncaring to talk like this. You say I'm just supposed to do joy in the middle of my kid just ran away, huh? I'm supposed to do joy in the middle of my spouse just cheated on me. I'm supposed to do joy in the middle of whatever. You know, just got a diagnosis of something very serious. Am I supposed to do joy in the middle of it? Now, this is, I say this with all love and kindness. Yes. Yes. I know you don't feel like it. I know it seems like the last thing in the world to do. But I'm telling you, there is a faith walk that accesses the power of God. We need God's intervention. We don't access Him and His power and His presence by going along with the negative circumstance. We must contradict it. We must go opposite of it. We must say in the middle of it, Lord, but you are greater. But your arm is not shortened towards me. Your strength and power live in me. And I believe God in spite of what it looks like, in spite of what my emotions tell me, in spite of the feelings or what other people say, you are bigger than this. And you are my God. And you'll never leave me or forsake me. So I will be glad in the Lord. I will trust in the Lord my God. And I will not be put to shame. But I I will be lifted high in Jesus' name. And I tell you, when you'll yield yourself to that spirit, that spirit of joy, that spirit of victory, you'll find answers will come to your life. You'll find help in time of need. It will not just be trying to suck it up and just maintain and just live your life. It will literally be an intervention of Almighty God in your life. He wants to help you and lift you. And in the middle of it, people might say, is there something wrong with you? You should be like suicidal right now. You should be, uh, you need help. And in the middle of it, you're fine. And you'll laugh and you'll sing and you'll give praises to the king. That's the spirit we want to yield to. I don't want to yield to a spirit of, of, of depression. I don't want to yield to a spirit of, of, of life that is just blah, discontent. I, no, I want to yield to the Spirit of God. He'll come on you even in the middle of stuff. I can remember times, man, I need to finish up. I can remember times in my life where it was bad. And it seemed like when I turned my back on it and looked to the Lord, it got so good that it was better than the absence of bad. It was the presence of good. And how many know that's what the Lord has called us to? 
Not just, I'm getting rid of all the junk in your life. No, yeah, but He's filling us with all of His goodness. And He's not bringing us to a, a net zero where I'm just forgiving your past, I'm forgiving your sins, I'm taking care of this negative evil junk in your life, and now you're back to clean slate nothing. No! No, that's just the starting. That's when you pray. Okay, you're there for like a, mi- a millisecond. And then we go the other side. Where we're not just empty of all bad. Now He fills us with His joy and pleasure and goodness. And every good thing that is in Christ we begin to acknowledge. And our plate is now full. But it's full of good stuff. Amen, amen. Praise God. He's the great displacer. Displacing what was bad with something good. Keeps filling you up until there's no room for the bad. But this is a choice we make. I mean, it's a step of faith that we take to live this way and to think this way and to pray this way. But if my Christianity, if my life has thus far produced where I'm not, you know, produced not much, then I want to encourage you, get to a place where you can access God's joy by yourself in your own prayer life, where you go in and you come out, (sighs) what have you been doing? I've been with the Lord. (laughs) And it's good. Because here's what I'm, not, what I'm not really talking about. I'm not talking about just a positive attitude. I mean, I think there's a lot of good things that could be said about having a positive attitude. Okay? It's a good thing. I'm not against that. I'm not really just saying have a good attitude. I'm saying believe God for Him to do in you what you can't do on your own. Just like salvation is accessed by me saying, I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, what happens? Something comes into me and I'm saved. I'm born again. I didn't work it up. I didn't just focus on it and then it became my reality. No, that's human effort. I received it by faith. I accepted what the Lord provided and promised me. Likewise, there is a life of contentment, of joy and bliss. That is not just worked up, not just uh, worked up in our own human effort and flesh, but is literally received by faith. Where we say, I believe that you are joy in me. That, you, that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I enter into your presence and bam. It is something that comes to us from Him. Not something that we just work up. Let me give you a couple of scriptures in closing here today. Hallelujah. Satisfaction guaranteed. We hear that a lot. By this product, guaranteed satisfaction, right? Um, everyone wants to be satisfied, doesn't want to waste their money, doesn't want to do these things. I'm telling you, satisfaction outside of God is never guaranteed. 
Nothing will ever fulfill your life. Nothing will ever completely satisfy you. And even if you're saved, because I'm not, I'm talking maybe to some unbelievers, but I'm talking mostly to believers. Even if you're saved and feel, feel dissatisfied, there is, there is an experience in God that fills that. And the problem is we get saved, the great satisfier takes up residence in our, in our hearts, but then we continue to look to the world and the flesh to fulfill us from day to day. And there's much more to experience in Him. And so outside of God, there's no guaranteed satisfaction. The flesh always wants something new, wants something different. It wants, wants something strange. In other words, something that it hasn't had before. The flesh works that way. If you still have flesh, you still live in a body. Anybody here still live in a body? Uh, your flesh is that way. If you walk in the flesh and yield to the flesh, they'll be discontent. But there is something in God. See, Proverbs 27, 20 reads, Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. Ecclesiastes 6, 7, All the labor of man is for his mouth. And yet his soul, yet the soul is not satisfied. So we can see there's a human, worldly, fleshly way to approach this, or there's God's way. Bible speaks of the righteous in, in 37, Psalm 37, 19. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. This is God's way. For us to supersede our circumstance. For us to go beyond what the world is experiencing around us. There is something got to be happening inside your life. And inside us corporately as a body. To where with the world when things fall apart and they do daily. And they will continue to decline more and more. Where they will see something different in those who are connected to God. They will see something different in you. And what is that? In the midst of a perverse and crooked generation, there's a group of people who are completely satisfied. They are content in their God. They are happy no matter what's happening in the world. And this is what the Scripture says. So again, I'm not encouraging or implying that we should have some poverty mentality. You know, like I said, this beans and rising, we're just scraping along, but we're happy anyway. No, our happiness is not, happiness is not uh, contingent upon those things. God wants abundance. Fine. But I'm not happy based upon that. I'm happy based on Him and Him alone. He alone is the satisfier. If you've learned to be content in your Christian life, there are, I mean, multitudes of believers who are this way. They have learned to be content with a very small manifestation of God in their life. They hardly ever see Him do anything. Or they don't recognize it. I mean, the last prayer they got answered was, you know, in the 80s. Or, you know, I'm talking about there's just not a constant presence of realness and reality of God's influence. And they've learned to be okay with that. I want to stir up within you a holy discontent of that type of Christianity. Well, I'm fine. I don't need much. What do you mean? Your, your dad is God. You want to live a meager existence when your dad is that? No. Don't be okay with that. Amen. Let him fill your life so much. And if it's not happening, I hope I'm irritating you. I hope I bugged a fire out of you to get off your blessed assurance and 
and have a relationship with God that goes beyond what most people will ever attain. Because you're not okay with it. You remember Jesus taught, he said, those who were forgiven much, love much. A lot of times, there's so many of us, we're just in the middle. Oh, pretty good, I've been forgiven, yeah, but that wasn't really bad anyway. So I'm forgiven, yeah, and I'm thankful. And, and there's no passion there. There's no, ah, oh, I'm so glad I'm with him. And so people stay in that kind of gray area, that middle of the road. And Let's get extreme. Extreme church. No, we're not renaming. Uh, but I mean extremely full of him extremely full of love and mercy and kindness and presence and joy and pleasure that is of God. Amen. (laughs) If you find yourself frequently discontent with the world, fine, good. That's what it'll do for you. I just want to encourage you to look somewhere else. Huh? Look look somewhere else. Look to the Lord because you'll find your satisfaction in Him. Amen. Father, we pray today. I pray today for every person, for every individual, for their lives. Lord, may they see and recognize, oh, what you want to say, what you want to do in them, how you want to make their life. No matter what, they, what people have gone through, circumstances negative or everything's going great, Lord, nothing, none of it compares to the very glory and presence of you. So fill us once again. Fill us once again with your spirit. Fill us with you now. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The presence of you, the Almighty One, Lord, makes us happy, content, and satisfied forever. We'll never find it anywhere else, but we do find it today in you, Lord. So thank you for working in us and moving through us, surrounding us and filling us again with your presence, with your glory that shines through us. Thank you for working in us today. I believe you're at work to will in us to will and to do of your good pleasure. And we thank you for it. We accept it and we walk in it by faith. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.